city of Irvine in 1979. And in 1979, when my family and I moved to the city of Irvine, there were 10,000 people in the city. 10,000. Those are incredible days. I mean, there were orange groves everywhere. At this time of year, you could, you could drive, and in the evening especially, if you sat in the backyard, you would just, the, 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 the smell of orange blossoms just kind of wafts through your backyard. It was a magical kind of place in that way. A lot of open space. I know you're going to believe I'm not telling the truth, but, but you could literally get from Northwood High School to Turtle Rock past University High School in 10 minutes or less, even on Friday at 4 o'clock. I'm telling you, it's true. Right? That, 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 there was a day like that with 10,000 people in the city of Irvine. And, and over 40 years, and I thought about this this week, I have lived in this area for 40 years of my life, and that makes me feel really old. 40 years I've been in and around this city. And what I've seen over 40 years is this city developed into over 40 different communities or villages in the city of Irvine. That is the reason this church is called the Village Church, because when it was planted, the idea would be that there would be a presence in every village in the city of Irvine and the cities that surrounded it. There would be a presence of the Village Church through its people in those places. That's why it's called the Village Church. Today, there are 298,000 people that live in the city of Irvine. Today, Irvine is the 14th largest city in the state of California, 67th largest city in the United States of America, and 83% of the people, 83% of the 333 million people that live in the United States of America, 83% of them live in cities and in urban centers like the city of Irvine. Many cities are like this city in our country. You might say, Matt, thank you for all that demographic information. Your point is, all right. My point is this, that God seems to be, in his providence, God seems to be moving people into cities, not away from cities. In his providence, God seems to be moving people towards cities, not away from cities. And I believe that has been God's plan for a long time, actually from before the time of Nehemiah. You might say, why, what is it about cities what is it about cities that might interest God? And when I was an anthropology major in college, I learned three things about cities and urbanization. And there may be more, but there's at least three things about cities. One is, is density. There's just a lot of people in one area. They're close to each other. Right? Density. Second thing that characterizes cities is diversity. There's a lot of different kinds of people that are really close to one another. And the third is opportunity. People move to cities because there's more opportunity. There's more opportunity for, for jobs and employment and vocation. More opportunity for relationships. Well, why would cities be important to God? Well, God loves people. He's for people. They're created in his image and likeness with dignity and value and worth. He's saving them and, and bringing them to the knowledge of the truth. And so I believe God would love to be at work in cities because there's a lot of people in cities. There's density. And where there's a lot of people, God, God wants to be at work there because God loves people. And he's calling them to himself. And this is true for all kinds of people. God values diversity. He's created all kinds of people, different skin colors and different languages they speak. And they've lived in different regions of the world. And, 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 and they're, they're all people that he wants to draw to himself. And he is. Christianity, by the way, the most diverse religion on the face of the planet. An opportunity. God wants people to thrive and to grow and to flourish. And there's lots of opportunities for that in cities. Why would God be interested in cities? Density, diversity, opportunity, I think it makes sense. That's why many commentators and, and authors say these kinds of things about cities that James Montgomery Boyce said. The greatest challenge to 
to Christian witness today is to establish an evangelical presence in the world's cities. For these reasons and more. So listen, during the days of Nehemiah, God is moving his people back into a specific city. A pretty important city, his city, the holy city of Jerusalem, it's called a few times in this passage. And and this section in Nehemiah is all about the repopulating of Jerusalem and God rebuilding his people. He's moving them in for very specific reasons, but, but as he does, I believe we can learn a few lessons this morning in general about what God thinks about cities and how God may want to work and move in and through every city. And even cities like our city. And I think the first lesson we'll learn this morning is something like this, that God will rebuild his people and reach more people largely in and through cities. I believe this is true. This is a very broad and general principle, but I think it needs to be stated this morning. I mean, Jerusalem was not only a city, right? It was the city of God, and God was at work in and through that city, the city of Jerusalem, in very specific ways. And at this time, he wanted to rebuild his people, and he wanted to make his name and his renown known throughout the world. So that as he rebuilt his people, he would reach the entire world through his people, that they would be a light to the nations. That was the idea. And the temple was at the very center of this, and everything that happened around the temple. The, the presence of God dwelling on the earth. And his people coming to Jerusalem because they're coming to him to see his presence, to be impacted, affected by it, to know him, and to make him known all throughout the known world. That was then, but this is now. Today, we've said a number of times here at the Village Church over the years, the temple is now on the road. The temple is on the road. We don't go to a particular city where God actually dwells. Physically, he doesn't have his presence there in that kind of way, but the temple is on the road through the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit that's at work in and through his people. And now every city, in, in, in some sense, has the, the indwelling, tangible presence of God in some sense in those cities or in that specific city through the people of God who are indwelt by his Spirit and who know him and who are making him known to the people around them. The book of 1 Corinthians tells us, do you not know that, that you, your body is now the, is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who dwells within you, that now the temple is on the road, that every city can be, can be indwelt, in a sense, by the presence of God through his people being present in that city, living there, loving there, working there, serving there. And because this is true, between the day that Paul wrote this letter to, by the way, a very large and a very influential city, the city of Corinth, between then and the day that Jesus returns, We know that Jesus will be working to rebuild his people in certain seasons, especially in a season like this, and to reach more people around the world, not just through our community and through our county, but around in our country, but around the world, largely through cities. Because those cities will be filled with people that are filled with his spirit, and they're bringing his gospel to bear in those places. And church, I want you to know this morning that the movement to cities is not just the trajectory of human demographics. It is the trajectory of divine mission. This is the trajectory. This is the way that it is going. And I know some of you don't like the crowds and you don't like the traffic and you wish it was like it was before. Trust me, I knew this place 40 years ago and in some senses I feel like I grew up here in the glory days. It was a wonderful place to grow up. And yes, it's crowded and yes, it's inconvenient in some ways. 
but God is bringing the nations to us, and God is bringing more people to this place because he wants to draw more people to himself. This is the divine trajectory. It's a divine mission. It's a trajectory of God's divine mission. He's bringing people to cities. And we need to get comfortable with this, okay? Because in the end, we know that one day God will complete his mission among his people, and he will gather together his people where? In the new Jerusalem, <laughs> In a city, Revelation tells us in Revelation 21, I saw the new heaven and the new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and I, there was the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And then it tells us about the measurements and all, all the way it's gonna look. It's gonna be like a big cube, it seems like. I mean, it's a giant city, right, with all of God's people. I mean, we are all eventually moving to a gigantic city. So for all of you that want to move to the sticks, have fun while you can, right? Like, we are going to a gigantic city. And if there's not something about cities that you enjoy, you know, thank God, you know, we're all going to be transformed because you would not like heaven, you know? I mean, like that, that is where we are going. We are going to a large city. Do you see God's desire here for people? Do you see his design to reach people? Do you see what he's doing? Do you see the trajectory of the divine mission? Because God will rebuild his people and reach more people largely in and through cities, it would also make sense, secondly, this morning, that God places particular people in particular cities for these purposes. That's what God does. You might say, no, no, Matt, I, you know, I, I moved here because of work. I met a couple of people this morning. Like, no, I moved here because of work. Or you might say, no, no, I, I grew up here like you. I've been here a long time. This is where my parents were. They moved here. That's why I'm here. Some of you are saying, no, no, I'm here for school or I'm here for grad school. Some of you are saying, no, no, I'm here because I want to be close to my family and I want to be, you know, near to them because I've been far from them for a while now. They live here and I want, I want to be near to them. Some of you are saying, no, no, I just want to be here because I just want to be. This just seems like a good place to live. It seems like a place, you know, where I could, you know, I could surf in the morning and I could snowboard all in the same day and I could do that, like, at the same time in one day. Like, that seems like a fantastic place to live. It's not bad. It's not bad. I've done that before. What a, what a wonderful thing. You can't do that in many places. You're saying, no, no, I'm just here because I, I chose to be. I just want to be. None of those other reasons. What I want to tell all of you this morning is that no matter how significant all of these reasons may be, I believe you are here for a bigger reason than that. And I think most of you know that, and if you don't yet know that, let me just tell you, you're here for a bigger reason than that. If you've recently moved into the city, you're here for a bigger reason than your job or your grad school. If you've been here a long time, you're here for a bigger reason than just that your, your family immigrated here or your family moved here from some other place. You're here for bigger reasons. And the reason I know that is in the book of Acts in chapter 17, when Paul is in Athens, he says, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in a temple made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. I mean, that seems like a big God. And he made from one man every nation and mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he's actually not far from each one of us. I mean, this is God's design. He set all the boundaries. He's determined it. Listen, the periods in which we live and the places in which we live have been predetermined by God. I'm glad he used your job to move you here. I'm glad he used school or grad school or your family or whatever it is, but you're here because God predetermined that you would be. 
And it's not just the, the periods and the places, but it's the purpose for which we are here. The very next chapter, chapter 18, when Paul was in Corinth, it says, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Don't be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I'm with you, and no one will attack you or harm you. Why? For I have many in this city who are my people. Jesus was calling many people to himself in the city of Corinth, and he already had people that he had called to himself in the city of Corinth. And one of the reasons that those people are there was to give refuge to Paul as he preaches the gospel to build the church and to eventually reach the entire known world. I want you to hear me really clearly this morning as one of your pastors. I believe each one of you are here in this place for a reason. And I believe in this season, in the life of human history, in the life of church, in our country, and in this county, I believe you are here to help rebuild the church in this season. And you are here to help reach people that Jesus is inviting into his church. That, I believe that is why you are here. I believe that's why I'm here. Even if you're here for a season, I know some of you are saying, this is a transient place. Look, I'm here for grad school for two years, and I'm out somewhere else. Great. The two years that you were here, this is why you are here. Well, you know, I got this job transfer. My company's here, but really our headquarters is over there, and I'm getting training. And in three years, I know I'm probably moving there. If I get on my trajectory for my job, great. I'm happy for you. That's great. But while you're here, don't just pass through, please. Like, you are here for a reason. God's, Jesus is calling people to himself, and he wants to use you in that process in this place. We see something like this happening to God's people in Nehemiah's day. Were you wondering when we were going to get in Nehemiah chapter 11? Here we are. Nehemiah 11, 1 to 2, it says, Now the leaders of the people lived in Jerusalem, and the rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to live in Jerusalem, the holy city, while nine out of ten remained in the other towns. And the people blessed all of the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. The leaders and the people of God in Nehemiah's day, they knew why they were there. They knew why they were in Jerusalem, and they believed that God had called them there. They, they cast lots, right? The lot is cast into the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. This was sort of like flipping a coin and believing that, that God would make the decision. I'm telling you, at this point, not many people wanted to move into the city of Jerusalem. And, and I'll get to the reason why in a moment, but... But they believed that they would cast these lots, kind of like rolling a dice, and that God would use it to determine who would do what and move where. No matter why you think you're here, whether you're one of our pastors or whether you're one of our staff or our community group leaders or our ministry leads, you're one of our partners, you're just attending our church right now and visiting, you need to know and you need to believe that you are called to this place for these purposes, to rebuild God's church and to reach people that he's inviting into it. We need to know and believe this. We need to know and believe this because it's going to be hard. I mean, no one wanted to move into the city of Jerusalem. Listen, the leaders went because leaders always go first. And leaders, by definition, have to sacrifice and move first. And so they did. They moved into the city. But at this time, life was hard in Jerusalem. Why are they casting lots to get one out of ten to move in? Because no one wanted to go. (laughs) 
It says, and the people blessed all of the men who willingly offered to live in Jerusalem. The, the lots are cast. It's cast to them. They're one out of ten, and they're like, hey, we're believing that God's using this to say that, like, you're supposed to move into the city where there's no jobs and there's no food and it's not very safe and, like, you know, all those sorts of things. But God says it's you. And they willingly said, then I'll go. And I'll go to that city and I will help rebuild it. And I'll help to create a, a kind of culture and atmosphere where, where it can, again, be a light to the nation so that many people can be reached to know the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, for them, their city was underdeveloped. You know, there, was, there was no industry there. It was not safe. It was not like Irvine, one of the safest cities in the world. It was one of the most dangerous cities in the world. And it was very uncertain. You know, what, what is this going to look like? For us, it might be that this place is expensive, you know, and it's hard to live here. It's cosmopolitan. There's this place, you know, people from all over doing all kinds of things, very pleasure-oriented. Just, everyone just wants their own pleasure. It's very fast-paced. You can't build relationships. Everyone's moving so fast. I mean, look, it, it, we all have our challenges. Every city does. It's hard to live in a city. For all the opportunity that it, that it has, it's hard to live in a city. It requires sacrifice. I was with a friend recently who's building a house in another city. And I was like, well, where's your backyard? And he's like, well, it's like, it's like 300 feet that way is where my fence is. And I was like, oh, <laughs> 300 feet that way. That's a huge yard, right? If you live in Irvine, your yard is not that big. I mean, there's things that we sacrifice, like tangible things. Like my kids can all play out there. He said, you know, I can build all this stuff. Like there's tangible things that we sacrifice to live in a city like this, many of us. It's hard to live in a city. We sacrifice things. They did as well. But the sacrifice is worth it because we're part of God's mission in the world. And this is the trajectory of it. God is doing his work in and through cities. I want to pause for a minute and, um, and I just want to talk to locals for a minute. Right? I want to talk to locals about Cali. <laughs> that was a test. We don't call it that. We don't call it Cali. Right? Okay, good. Look at verse 3. These are the chiefs of the province who lived in Jerusalem. And then it mentions Judah and the sons of Benjamin. This was their place. Like this historically was their place. The reason why Judah and Benjamin move in first is because this is their place. They were, they were locals. This was, this was their town, right? This is where they were for generations. And so they move in first with the leaders. And I think it just tells us something. It's like we need people that know this place to stay in this place. Like we need people that know this place to stay in this place. They needed people that knew that place to move back into it. Like they knew the area and they knew the culture and they knew the opportunities and they knew the struggles and they knew the challenges and, and, and they knew, had the relationships and they knew where to point people. And, you know, they knew the good restaurants and all that kind of stuff. It's great, but they also knew how to build community. Like we need people that grew up here to stay here. And if you're not staying, that's not to say that you're not, you know, maybe the lot is cast and you're supposed to be somewhere else. Apparently the lot falls in places like Tennessee and Idaho and Texas. You know, it's just, that's what happens. These, apparently the lots are like, they're rigged. You know, it's like a rigged dice in the casino. That's, everyone is going there. But I guess that's what God wants. And if that's you, this is not a guilt trip. It's, it, 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 that's maybe where God is leading you. I just want to pause for a minute and say, like, we need people that live here to stay here and to invest in rebuilding God's people in this place. 
to do that, we're going to need some pretty great people. And there are great people in this place. There are great people in this church. Last night we had an event at our house, and a lot of people from our church were there. And um, it was, a, it was a, a wedding shower kind of thing. And um, it was just great to see all these, these young husbands and wives and great families. And just our, our church is filled with these people. I was talking to some of the men, and I was telling them about this verse in particular last night, verse 6 in chapter 11, where it says, all the sons of Perez who lived in Jerusalem, these are they're part of the, those tribes, were 468 valiant men. Valiant men. Don't you love that? And you're going to love it even more when I tell you that it doesn't just mean physical strength, although that is part of it. I, I think every man should have as much physical strength as his, his frame can bear. You know, I, that, that's a great thing. But it, it's more than that. It's, a, it's a, they are strong in different ways. You know, they're, they're strong strong in wisdom and, and in talent and ability and resolve. It actually is translated, listen to me, men of substance. And men, I just want to speak to you for a second. We, we need men of substance in this place. Men of substance who are strong in all of these ways. They're strong husbands. They're strong fathers. They're strong in, in the workplace. They're strong neighbors and community leaders. Right? They're, they're strong men. We need valiant men, men of substance here. Because this is going to be a hard row sometimes. It's going to be tough to till the ground here in a place like this as we invite people to Jesus. Hmm. I don't think you can be anything less than a man of substance to survive in this place, much less thrive here. It's a tough place to thrive if you're not pursuing that, that substance. Then we find that substance in Christ and all the wisdom that he has for us. So because God will rebuild his people and reach people largely in and through cities and because God has placed particular people in those particular places and for those purposes, it would make sense that also thirdly this morning, all of God's people in every city, they matter to him and his mission in the world in that city. You might say, well, Matt, I know you were talking about how, you know, God's moving. There's all these people. You said there's 298,000 people in the city of Irvine alone. What can I do? There's like one person in this mass of people. Like how significant really am I? Well, in this city they go through and they count the priests in verses 10 and 11 who do the work of the house of the Lord. There's apparently 822 of them and all their family members. 242 of the heads of the father's homes. There's another 128 men of valor that have overseers. They're organized. There's 284 Levites. The gatekeepers, 172. And now while all their names aren't listed out, the heads of the households are listed out, and the numbers are there for a reason. Like the gatekeepers are 172, not 173 or 4, because they know every single one of them. And I think this is a little bit of God's gift to us to, to, to remind us that every single one of us are important in the mission of God and the things that he is doing in this place. I believe passages in the scripture are, are here to help us with We matter to God. Every single one of you matters to him just as a person who's created an image and likeness. Secondly, as someone who's been redeemed by the blood of Christ and invited into the family of God. And, and thirdly, as a person that he's just invited in to his mission alongside of him. I mean, you matter to God for all those reasons. First, because you're an image bearer. Second, because you're redeemed. And thirdly, because he's inviting you into his mission. There's a lot of reason to believe and, and to know and to be encouraged that you matter to God in these things. Do you believe that this morning? All of God's people matter to him. 
And God invites all of his people to join him in his mission to the world through cities, every single one of you. Part of the way that you do that is the way that you live your life between Sundays outside, you know, of, of your interaction even some, with some of the people in our church. And some of the ways that we do that is, is how we serve and, and, and grow together, how we partner together in the work of the gospel. Kind of like we were talking with the Sings about coming alongside and helping foster families. We do this together. There's serve opportunities in the life of our church. At the end of our service, we're going to hear from the team that's going to Albania. Like, well, there's a lot of opportunities. I just thought this would be a great opportunity to say, hey, there's a... There's one of these on the back table on your way out that says join a serve team. Like you can get involved serving in the life of our church. It's really easy. You know, there's cards that we use to invite people to the village church. You can invite people into our family. If you feel disconnected, there's stuff back there that says, hey, get connected. Get on our mailing list. Get on the Instagram account. See the things that we're doing. Like take some proactive steps to get involved. You matter and God wants to involve you. We want you to be involved in the work that he's doing here. So many of you are. We're so grateful. And it's so fun to be doing these things together, isn't it? We want to invite you in if that's not yet part of your story. So lastly this morning, if God will rebuild his people and reach more people largely in and through cities, and if, if God places particular people in those particular cities for these particular purposes, and if all of God's people in every city matter to him and his mission in the world, in and through these cities, then I think we should see that fourthly, God is taken a strategic approach to building his people, rebuilding his people, and reaching more people in and through cities, and so should we. He's taken a very strategic approach. Now listen, if we would have read the whole chapter this morning, like 11 and that first part of 12, and we read about all the names, and if you would have done like an in-depth study of all the names and the genealogies and all the families, and if you did all that and took all the time to do it, what you would see is that this is a very, very organized group of people. This is very strategic the way it's all worked out. It's not just names on a page. I, I pulled a verse, verses seven and nine, just so you could see, like, these were the sons of Benjamin, Joel, the son of Zertri, and he was their overseer, and Judah, he was, he was the second in the city. Like, they, they have actually levels, and, and they're organized, they're structured, they're taking a very strategic approach to these things. And, and the strategy really is on three fronts. It's, it's family, it's geography, and it's affinity. Th this is really what's going on in these two chapters. Again, and, and you don't get it by all the names on the page if, if you don't look into it. But as you do look into it, you see that it's all family, it's all geography, and it's all affinity. Like, they are organized around family structures. Now, today we don't have the same kind of thing in the sense that, that all of our family, like, are in one place and we're all following God together as sort of the people of Israel did. But, but church is an extended family. Last night at this event that, that was at our house, you know, one person who was there was not yet, not actually part of our church family, is kind of proxy in sort of a way. You know, we were chatting and they said, you know, this was just amazing to see, you know, people that we know and love you know, talking to all these other people that are like their extended family here. And, and that's really what the church is. The church is an extended family. So as, as we organize, we organize around family. Like the extended family, the church family is a priority as we do these things. Secondly, geography. Right? We organize around geography. We have many community groups that meet in our church last Sunday. We, we met as community group leaders for the first time in a long time and over this COVID season. And and, and they're eager to, to meet again in, in all the ways that, that we normally have and to invite new people into the groups. And so I would encourage you to, to, to pursue that, pursue community in geography. And sometimes people pursue community in affinity. 
Sometimes they just, they, they know a certain person, they like a person, they, they share a common interest, and so they might drive like a village over, they might drive a city over to be part of that community group because there's an affinity that they share, and you know what? That's great. These people all shared affinity, like Levites and priests and gatekeepers and the servants of Solomon and the sons of Benjamin. And, I mean, they, they all shared certain affinities, and we understand that you do too. And so as we rebuild, this is the way we rebuild together. We set aside time, we prioritize the extended family, the church family. We get organized in geography and or affinity. We meet together, we gather together, we worship together, we pray together, we invite other people into our fellowship. There's a strategy to these things. God has a strategy to do this, and, and so should we as a church, and we do. I had Pastor David plot you guys all on a map. Check this out. Here's, here's all of you. Boom. There you are. There's all of our partners, at least, in, in, the, in, the, in the county, in Orange County. And, and you can kind of see where we're heavy, and you can kind of see where we're a little lean. And, like, we have a plan in this church. And, and forgive me if I've not shared it more with all of you, but, I mean, I mean the plan is still the same from the, from the first inception of the Village Church. I think it's a great plan that there should be a presence in every village in the city of Irvine of people from the Village Church. So there's over 40 villages, and so I am praying that, that there's going to be someone from the village church in every one of those 40 villages or communities in the city of Irvine. And I'm also praying that we're going to have people from the village church in every city that surrounds the city of Irvine and in every city that surrounds those cities. Now, stop. I think after that, it's a little unrealistic to believe, believe that most people will drive in for that. But we have a church planting network, and a couple years ago I was the area director, and I made a plan from, you know, how are we going to get from Fullerton to San Clemente? And at the time, we were interviewing a church planter in San Clemente, and there was a church in our network that was in Fullerton. I was good friends with him, and we were beginning to build and kind of fill in the gaps between here. And I just want to let you know that, well, we have a plan. And please forgive me if I haven't articulated the plan more often or, or better, but, like, there is a plan. We want to see the village church multiplied in these ways because we believe that's something Jesus wants to see. We'd invite you into that. Maybe you're in one of these places, you're like, there's a lot of people that I can get to know in that place. Yeah, there are. Maybe you're in one of these places, you're like, man, I want to I wanna pray God raises up more people in that place. We are praying the exact same thing. So like in beach cities, for example, you know, we believe there's more people maybe there than we think, more tenders that are part of our church, but we're praying God raises up more people in that area. So we've got beach cities, Irvine, we've got South County, North County. Like there is a strategy to what we're doing. Our community group leaders often meet strategically around region. Right? We, we think And I want you to know as a church that we know God has a strategy, and, and we have a strategy too. We want to follow his family, geography, affinity. Does that make sense? All right. Okay, as I wrap up our time together in the Word this morning, um, I want to say God has had a divine strategy for reaching the world for a long time. For a very long time. Matter of fact, um, it started when when he created the heavens and the earth and everything that's in it. And he told our first parents to, to go and, and to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth and to subdue it. It's very kingdom-building kind of language. God's intention and God's design was that things would start in a garden, in a very rural kind of environment, right? But that his people would be fruitful and they would multiply and they would fill the earth. And, and so much so that they would fill the earth that they'd have to start gathering together and cities would be developed. And, and, and people would grow and thrive in those places. And that they would image God to one another in a beautiful way. That was the plan. 
we, we know something called the fall happened, right, where, where sin entered the world. And our, and our very first parents, you know, they weren't content with God's plan. They wanted to make their own plan. And so they sinned against God in the garden. And when that happened, life between us and God was broken and life between us and one another was broken in the fall and everything was affected by sin. And sin affected this mandate that God had given to his people. And so now people spread all throughout the world and they are fruitful and they do multiply but they try to subdue the earth for their own ends and their own purposes. And so we see stories like the, the Tower of Babel where a great city begins to be built, but they're just building it for their own glory. Through the history of the Bible, we see these kinds of things happening. Or a little later, we, you know, we see the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and all the, the, the sin that's rampant in those cities and, and how God sees that. And, and throughout the Bible, we see other cities like Babylon and, and, and such that, that raise up and they're only to their own ends. Like now, yes, the people are being fruitful. They're multiplying. They're filling their up. They're subduing it for their own ends. It's broken. It's distorted. It's twisted. It's sinful. A lot of, of, the, of the reasons people want to move away from cities, right? You, you, you get where this is gone because of sin. But isn't it interesting that Jesus comes, that, that, that God sees this, and God, God doesn't leave us on his own, but on our own, but, but he comes to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And, and he's born in an obscure little town, <laughs> you know, and, and he grows up in a, in a sort of obscure place that's very rural, but, but and he begins to share the gospel with those people, and then he invites them in, and, and yet at the end, he makes his way toward the city of Jerusalem. And in that big city that's dense, it's filled with people, it's diverse. They're now at that point have come from all over the world. There's a lot of opportunity there, and, and people are, are taking advantage of it, but not all of them focused on the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And Jesus comes, and he shares the message of the kingdom. He lives, and he dies. He dies at that city. He raises from death there. I mean, this is the place where Jesus goes to the, the biggest, Jesus goes to the largest city. He goes to the central place. He goes to the city of God to die for our sin and to rise from death to prove who he says he was. And he promises that he's going to come again. And, and when he does, he's going to come again and call us to himself. And he's going to invite us into a new city, the city of the new Jerusalem. That will be the city we all long for. There will be no brokenness, there will be no tears, there will be no sickness, there will be no striving, there will be no traffic. You know, there will be no all of those things. <laughs> I think that's connected to our good news this morning is that Jesus is at work to redeem all kinds of people all over the world who will one day live with him in the only perfect city. And as God calls us and invites us to his mission in this city, I hope you look forward to that day when we all get to be in that city together. Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you for inviting us into the work that you're doing, into your divine trajectory. Lord, for all the things I loved about this city 40 years ago, you know my complaints sometimes, Lord. You know my frustrations many of them probably not so godly. I'm grateful that you've called me to this place, to these people. I acknowledge that it's your doing. Lord, as you grow this place, would, would you grow the number of people that know you and love you and follow you and serve you in this place? Would you do it for your glory?
I'm going to pause and just give you a moment to consider your own place in this city. I just want to ask you, what, what do you really believe about why you're here? What specific thing might he be calling you to to help rebuild his, his church, his people in this place? Is there something specific he would invite you into to help reach people in this place that don't yet know him? invite you to stand with me and we're going to begin to sing together in response and as we do a couple of things this morning one we're going to sing the song i will build my life and it's a song that i know this church loves and i want to ask you this morning as you sing to make a commitment to sing telling them that you want to build your life on the truth of the gospel and you want to build your life you know in this place Build your life on the firm foundation of the gospel. It is a firm foundation, and it will keep you in this place. And I want you to sing it with those things in mind this morning. I also want to invite you to, um, to share communion responsibly this morning. Um, and we're going to try to start getting back to some of our normal rhythms where we have communion offered in the back. It's there ready for you. When you're ready, you can go back and you can get the elements and and you can share communion with your spouse or maybe a community group leader or member or a friend. Um, and you can feel free to enjoy communion during this responsive worship time. So we're gonna sing when you're ready or if you desire, you can share communion this morning and we'll continue to worship Jesus together.